Go ahead, do it with me, okay? Participate a little audio, participate. Blow me away, okay? You know, this is, this is really descriptive of uh, our lives right now. Everybody that I call and talk to and say, hey, you know, can you call me? And they go, oh, I'm really busy, and this is descriptive. That's exactly why we're doing this series right now called Fulfilled. See, because your schedule, maybe even your stomach, can be full but you're not filled. And there's a reason for that. And so we're continuing this uh, series uh, today, and I just want to give a shout out uh, and, and ask for your prayers uh, for our dear brother, uh, Ray. He is in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. And uh, he is going to be uh, running in the Boston Marathon tomorrow. Okay. Not just running, but competing in the Boston Marathon. Because okay, a lot of people run in marathons, he's actually competing in it. Okay, you know the guys in the front that are running like really fast, and you're gonna you're gonna run 26.2 miles at that speed. You're crazy. Yeah, Ray's like that. He's gifted. He's a gifted runner. So go ahead and say a prayer for Ray tomorrow. Uh, and and we just you know and the thing I got the report from him, he's just fired up. He can't contain himself how fired up he is uh, to be. In, in Boston and all the, 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 you know, excitement, and he is just about to come out of his skin. So, you know, pray, pray for our brother Ray. So we've been doing this series on uh, fulfilled, and this is some of the quotes Mike started off two weeks ago, uh, you know, talking about, you know, getting give and take. He talked about that last week, and if you missed any of these lessons, you're coming like kind of in the middle of the movie, but each Sunday is a different movie. We're actually going to watch a movie today, which is cool. Uh, but we've been talking about this, this whole idea of right now in 2016, there has never been a time more than right now where lives have been fuller while souls are emptier. And maybe that's why you're in church today. And if you're here uh, as a guest, it's your first time here, I really want you to know we are so glad you're here. Uh, and we hope that you can, you know, get fulfilled uh, today uh, by what we're going to talk about. But it's not in just one Sunday service. It's also about relationships. It's also about taking initiative with what you're going to hear and see today. Uh, one of the quotes that we had uh, from last week, God has, has a solution for every shortage in our life. I don't know if you believe that or not, but he does. And maybe you come here today and you're, there's a shortage in your life. Uh, there's a huge, gigantic need. I've got the perfect message for you because we're going to talk about a woman who was in a very severe crisis that very few of us in America could relate to. Uh, I mean, an intense crisis. But God had a solution for her. And I believe this for every one of us. God has a solution for us, but there is an ask involved uh, for each one of us, something that God wants to ask us as we step out in, in faith. So the, the, today I want to talk about this theme. It's called refilled. Wait a minute. Not yet. Come back. Come back. Is somebody messing with my uh, thing back there? I think it was, I think it was Anthony who, who did that. 
refilled, stay. <laughs> so, you know, this whole idea, because I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, you just feel empty. You feel like, man, I don't know if I got any more. And, and, and for a lot of us, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of person you are, but, you know, when you go to a restaurant, uh, do, do you, are you one of those kinds of people that has to clean your plate before you leave? You know what I mean? Like you don't leave anything on the plate because that's wasteful. And if there's a little bit of soda or water, you have to make sure you drink it all the way down to the bottom before you walk away from the table. Or maybe you're one of those canned soup people that and when you open a can of soup, you make sure every bit of it's out. You scrape it, then you rinse it out, and you make sure every bit of that soup is gone, right? You don't want to waste it. Maybe you're one of those kinds of people. Or maybe you're one of those kinds of people that, you know, you only eat half of what's on your plate and then the rest, let it go, you know. But here's the thing I want to talk about today is there may come a time in your life where that little bit of scraping that's left on your plate might be your next meal. I mean the whole meal because you're facing a really, really hard time in your life. You know, maybe that, that change, you know, where you used to think about that change in your pocket and you're just jingling around and you just go, man, I, I kind of, I this is irritating, this change in my pocket. Let me just get rid of it. Maybe there will come a time in your life where that change in your pocket will be all the money that you have. See, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a woman who was in that exact situation. And we're not just going to read from the Bible today. We're actually going to watch the Bible, which I love to do that. I love to watch the Bible. And, and you and I get to live in a time where people bring things to life. They bring the Scriptures to life so we get to see it. So today we're going to watch this, this story from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. It's a jewel, a treasure that's just buried right there in the Old Testament. And we're going to unpack this story because it's got a really, really important message for you and me about this whole idea of being refilled. And uh, it's really changed me the last week that I've been looking at it. And it's, it's definitely changed the perspective that I have about when I have something to appreciate it and then to go with it. Okay, so you guys ready to watch the movie? It's, it's about the widow and her oil. Second Kings. So let's dim the lights, turn the sound up, and let's watch a short movie about the widow and her oil. Shout out to all the single moms in the house today. Mm. You, guys are, you guys are heroes. You know, so uh, I wanted to unpack this. This is, a, this is a, a jar that I have in my office, in my house, and it's taken on a totally different meaning now after this Bible study that, that we've seen and, you know, 
today I really want us to, to look at what, what God's trying to tell us through this story. And it's a very, very severe situation. And maybe you don't realize, but widows during this time, they were at the very bottom. Widows without family to take care of them, hopeless, helpless. And that pretty much describes her life. Her, her husband uh, was one of the students of the prophets. And he was among the prophets, but he was still kind of in training and learning. And, you know, like when you go to school, you guys can relate, right? You, you take out a, a student loan, maybe. They didn't have that kind of thing, but you basically went in debt so you could prepare yourself for the future. And so this family was in distress. This, far, this family experienced death. And this family experienced debt. But there's one thing that this family had in its favor. Devotion. Devotion. See, because he was a godly man, her husband. And so he left the legacy that God can provide. And the wife remembered that. And so as we, we look at this, this, this story, you know, and, and nobody in America, I just want you guys to know this, nobody in America can relate to this because, you know, typically when the banks call on you and you've got a debt, they're going to send you a letter, Right? They're not going to come to your house. And they're not going to ask you for your kids. And, and this whole idea that if you can't pay your debts, then yes, in that time it was customary and it was actually legal for you to take someone's children as a payment of the debt and keep those children for up to seven years if you were a, a Jew. And those children will work for the, the, the debt collector for seven years. Could you imagine being in this woman's shoes? And you thought your situation was pretty bad. You know, and, and this, is, this is extreme. And, and we look at this passage, and here's, here's what I appreciate so much about the, the widow. She was a wife of a man in the company of prophets, and she cried out to Elisha. She didn't just call it. She cried out to Elisha. Her first step of recovery and being refilled was to cry out for help. She cried out to God and she also cried out to a godly man who could help her. And look at the situation. My, my, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he was revered by the Lord. He revered the Lord. In other words, he respected the Lord. Now that his creditors are coming to take my two boys as his slaves, a very desperate situation. And look at what Elisha says. This is blow away. What would you expect Elisha to do, you know, in this situation? And what would you want the widow to expect? Just give me the money, right? Just fix the problem now. Fix it. Fix it. And this is the difference. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? And then he tells her, tell me what you have. Let's say this together. What do you have? Now look at your neighbor next to you and tap him on the shoulder and say, what do you have? You know, maybe for the teens, maybe for, for you guys, it's, hey, what you got? I mean, is this really the, the question that you ask a widow who's in a severe situation? 
What do you have? And what does she say? It says it right here. What do you have? Your servant has what? And maybe that's your answer today. I got nothing that can solve my problem, that can solve my dilemma. See, I've done this and I've done that. I've got nothing. You don't understand. My situation is desperate. And that's kind of our default mode in 2016 when we've got a problem. I got nothing. I got no answers. I got no one. I got, I got, no, and, and, and he, he, he poses the question again, which is really cool. He says, what do you have? Your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except, except one small jar of oil. Now, it may not seem like a lot, but during this time, a little bit of oil went a long way. They used it for lighting, cooking, for skin problems. Oil was a very precious commodity at this time. And it says here that she only had a little bit. You know, and you, know, you think about this when, when we look at our lives when we have problems, what do we, what do we ask for? We want a solution to the problem right away. And we want people to fix our problems right away, don't we? But Elisha knows, and, and I believe it's an extension of how God works. A lot of times God's not going to fix your problem right away. He's going to ask you a question. What do you have? What do you have? And no, I'm not going to fix your situation right away because I believe this is an exercise that's going to change your life if you'll play along with me. And so she's got this small jar of, of oil, and, and th th this is a huge question. So, you know, we're going to talk about this some more, but what can God do with the little that you have? Have you really thought about that? What can God do with the little bit of time that you have, with a little bit of money that you have, with a little bit of the resources, the talent, the things that you have? What can God do with that? And that's something you're going to have to work through after we're done today. In verse 2, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Now, this is cool. It's not just I'm going to help you, but I want you to go out and include all your neighbors, not just some of your neighbors, the ones that you know. Now, I want you to envision this, you going out today and maybe five blocks around your house, you go and knock every door. What would that require of you? Great humility, right? Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't just ask for a few. In other words, how many jars should you get? I think you should get as many as possible. Then go inside. So there's a, there's a public part of this, and then there's a private part of this. Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars as each one, each is filled, and put it to one side. Now, does this make sense to you? How can this jar, and, and let's go ahead and, and bring out a few more jars here. 
Okay? I uh, hope I don't get in trouble because my wife let me borrow a few. I wanted more, but she said, that's enough. Because <laughs> you might break one. Okay? Then you got one more. Okay, so I want you to imagine how does this, this, fill this, 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 and this. And I want you to imagine the stage full of jars. Big ones, small ones, medium ones. How, how, does this, how does this work? I know some of you. You know what you would say to Elijah? Doesn't make sense, Elijah. What do you mean? Let me ask you a question. What was this woman's first step of faith? She went and did it, right? She didn't go back and forth. What do you mean, Elisha? And, and how's this going to work? And this doesn't make sense. How does one little jar, how does one little jar fill all these other jars? How's this going to happen? How's this going to work? She did know one thing. When you bring Elijah into the picture, if you read more about Elijah in the Old Testament, man, you bring God into the picture. And when you bring God into the picture, it's no telling what's going to happen. So she's like, okay, this is going to be a step of faith, isn't it? Nudge your neighbor and say, it takes a step of faith. It takes a step of faith. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you, are you ready to take a step of faith to resolve your problems? Are you ready to, to, to move in God's direction and see what He can do with maybe just your little jar of oil? And she went and did it. And th- this was an incredible test of humility that she went to all her neighbors. This takes humility. And she also included her neighbors in this whole process. People knew. They said, okay, hey, this is my best jar. Kind of like my wife. She wouldn't let me have some of the jars in the house. There was a couple more. I said, can I have this one? She said, no, that's my special jar. I said, okay, take these. Maybe some of the neighbors. Hey, I'll give you this jar, but you be careful with my jar. She left. She left him and shut the door behind her, her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Now, who was included in this whole process? The boys. The boys. You know, as parents, you know what we do sometimes? Is we don't include the children in our crisis. Elisha was very, very, and, and wasn't it awesome? Wasn't it awesome to see the boys going around and getting jars also? See, and sometimes as parents, we don't include our children in our crisis, and we don't include our, our children in our walk of faith. You're denying them the opportunity to see God work. I believe as parents, we got to be transparent and tell our kids, hey, we're going through a tough time right now, and, and we may need you to help out. And as children, we, what we need to do for our parents when they're going through a tough time, we need to help out. We need to be there for them, and that's what these boys did. Because they knew if we don't help mom, we may start working a little early and lose our mom. I want you to understand this. God will use the trials, headaches, and burdens of life 
to bring us to the place where we can honestly see our need and our own inability to meet it. See, God will allow us to be brought to our knees. Maybe that's where you are right now. Or maybe, maybe you know someone who's in that situation. And we're going to talk about that. But see, God will allow us to be in that situation so we recognize something that all of us, one time or another, you're going to face this fact. You cannot maintain your survival without his help. You and I are all dependents on God. Let's do a little quick exercise here right now. Take a deep breath. Where'd that air come from? And maybe you say, well, it's everywhere. Where did it start? Where, where's, put, put your hand over your heart. Now, if you're alive, it's beating. You're taking for granted every beat of your heart. Do you know, do you know something? That you need God. But too often as Americans in the United States of America in 2016, guess what we get in our head? I got this. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I don't got this. I don't got this. It's, it's good for you to admit it. You don't got this. You think you got this. You think you've got it. You think you, you are in control. You're healthy now. You have a job. You reach in your wallet. There's money. There's credit. There's, there's, you've got a car. You've got a house. You've got everything's provided. You know, I want you to just imagine being in this situation. And, and I get it all the time. I get, I get people coming to me and say, hey, you know, my, my cousin, my friend, my aunt, you name it. My, my, my son, my daughter is sick with cancer. It's terminal. It's serious. Will you pray? You know what that says? I don't got this. This is way in outside of my ability to solve this problem. You know what's really great if you're going to follow Jesus is if you just go ahead and admit that and live that every single day. God, I don't got this. In fact, without your help, I'm, an, I, I, I'm unable to make a go of what I'm going to do. So I need you. I need you to do something before I start my day. I need you to fill my vessel. I need you to fill my vessel. You say, well, what's a vessel? Your life is a vessel. Your life is a vessel. And that's why this jar from today forward is taking on a whole different meaning in my life. Because now I see, and I'm a visual person, now I see, I, I, I've got to look at things differently. I've got to look at my life differently. And, and we talk about these vessels, you know, how many do you need God to fill in your life? Well, let's talk about vessels. Your time is a vessel. Did you know that? Some of you think you don't have enough time. You're short on time. You're too busy. Guess what? You have as much time as the President of the United States. And what does he get done in 24 hours? I've, I've looked at his schedule, okay? And it's crazy what that man gets done in a day. 
the meetings that he's in, the decisions that he has to make, the stuff that he has to read. I mean, you think you've got to read a lot? Some of you guys here, you've got to read a lot? You have no idea. The meetings, some of you think you're in a lot of meetings, and you've got to sit and talk, and you've got to think. I mean, it's nonstop. Phone calls, I've got to make a phone call. What this man has to do on a daily basis, and the people around him, they're incredibly busy. And yet they get done way more than we do. See, your time is a vessel. And how many do you need God to fill? Uh, money. You have money, right? You, you know, we live in a rare time in the United States of America where probably most of us in this room could reach in our wallet and there's money in it. Do you know how rare that is? You need to go to some parts in the world and they don't have money on them. They may have food in the cupboard, but that's it. No money on them. Things like your talents. Some of you are incredibly gifted. Your talents are a huge vessel. Your ability to do things, your talents, your gifts. Uh, your marriage is a vessel. Some of you, you know, you look at your marriage and you realize your marriage is empty and you're not asking God to fill it. I don't get that. You know, whatever area it is, maybe, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your character. Your character is a vessel. It's empty. And you need to fill it. You need to ask God to fill it. Your relationships. You're feeling empty about your relationships. It's a vessel. It's a vessel that either God can fill or you can leave empty. I mean, the list goes on. Your health, your future, so many things that we've got in our lives. And so one of the key points to take away for me in this lesson is I want to put everything that I got out there in front of God so that he can fill it. God, will you fill my marriage? Fill it. And every day, guess what? I got to get a refill. You know, my wife and I may have had a good day yesterday, but today's a whole different day, isn't it? Even this morning when I started going around, hey, can I use this jar? Can I have that jar? No. God, please fill my marriage. <sighs> fill it. Refill it. Okay, I'm giving her a hard time. That's not how it is. But some of you look at your family, you know, you got, you got kids that are teenagers and you're thinking, man, I need a refill today because it's not good. This week, this past week was bad. And some of you teens are going, yep, and I created that. I know, I was a teenager too, one time. I created a lot of havoc. But I wonder what things would have been like if my mom and dad would have come before God every day and said, refill it. Because you can tell when it's full and when it's not, can't you? You can tell when God is working and he's blessing and he's pouring in and you've got something and you've got so much it's just overflowing in your marriage and in your family and in your life and your career. It's just flowing, but you need it every day. But what blows me away is how some of us can go through our day and not pray. I don't get that. See, we'll go back to that quote that we looked at before. Is God going to have to bring you to your knees so you understand that you are unable to take care of all those needs that you have? If you're in school, man, you need God to bless your schoolwork. 
I remember in college, as, a, as, as I first started following Jesus, man, when it was exam week, I was like, God, <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to fill my mind. I've studied, I've studied, but it, can, it leaks out on the bottom. You know what I mean? You study and the, and the information just leaks out. So I need God just to keep on pouring and keep on pouring and keep on pouring. You know, you need to say each and every day, intentionally, God, I need you to fill my vessels. I need you to fill my vessels because I want to go out today and I want to have some to spare. See, because it's not just about you, and that's part of the problem. We talked about that last week. You've got to fix the flow. If your vessel is just for you, then you've got a problem. It's not just for you. And maybe that's the root of it. If you got, want God to fill your marriage, then you've got to take that great marriage, and you've got to pour it into somebody else. You've got to say, hey, how can, I, how can I bless your marriage? How can I bless your family? But so many of us are so in crisis mode, we can't help anybody. And one of the big reasons is we didn't come before God, and when they say, God, refill it. And then another thing, too, is what she did is she asked for godly counsel. She asked someone to help her out, a man. And for some of us, godly women, asking a godly woman, hey, what do you think? And because you don't ask, you do not receive. And you go and you bump your head and you say, man, I don't know what, the, what it's, it's not even worth it for me to be a, a follower of Jesus because everything seems to just be a mess. And it's very important that we look at both sides of the story because there's two people on both sides. Maybe you'll never be able to relate to the widow. Can't understand, can't relate to the widow. I'm good. Yeah, but you're on the, one of the neighbors. You're one of the people around the train wreck. What can you do to help somebody else out? Because what you saw in the video and what you see in the scriptures is she had so many jars. How come she had so many jars? Because her neighbors were willing to help her out. Right? You're the neighbor. And on May 1st, we are taking up a special missions collection for Mexico and Central America. Guess what the churches in Mexico and Central America are doing and saying to us, hey, I know you gave last year, but can you refill? Because we want to do it again. We helped a lot of students. We're helping a lot of young people. And we need you guys to help out because you live in the land of more than enough. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in the mo most wealthy nation in the world, and we've never lived in a time like this in our history, where we've had so much. It's crazy what we have. But what are we doing with it? And so you can be on both sides. Maybe, maybe you're the widow, you're in crisis mode, and you, you're, you're, you're running on empty, and you need help. But maybe you're the person next to the train wreck and you don't ever want to say that to somebody, but you want to say, hey, is there something I can do to help? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? Can we get some coffee? I got some time. Maybe we can look at some scripture. Maybe we can pray together. What can I do for you? Can I bring a meal by? What can I do for you? That, that, that needs to be us. It's true neighbors, and, and you don't have to be a, a member of a church to do that. 
but there's very few of us that make it a practice to help other people. And there's train wrecks all around us. We just don't see them because we're so wrapped up. And you are the people, I believe most of us in this room, are the ones that can meet that, that need in the lives of other people. So here's, a, here's an exercise that I want to encourage you to do. Okay, if you think you got nothing, okay, this is, this is a really good exercise that you can do is write a list of things that you have, your assets, your, your profession. Have you ever sat down and looked at what you have? In your house, have you ever really looked at all the stuff that you have that possibly in a garage sale, you saw it up on the screen, that you haven't used in three, four, five years and you know you're not going to use it. Hey, let's sell it. Let's, get, let's put that in a, in, a, in a vessel and use it so we can help other people. I got to tell you guys a story. When I started out as a minister, you know, I had a little money stashed away that my father had left for us in these corporate stocks. And he'd have been mortified if he knew I did it, but I, we had a special missions contribution coming up. And I was also dating Laura. We were dating Steady, and I had a, an intention of asking her to be my, my fiancé, and we were going to get married. That's all the money that I had. And I remember, you know, we were, we, were in a, we were in a staff meeting, and I was a brand-new minister, and I remember God just pulled it in my heart, and he said, man, give the money for missions. You want to be a missionary, give it for missions. Because if you don't go, you can send somebody else to go. And the money that I had set aside was for, guess what? Engagement ring. I said, you know, God, I know you're going to provide. So I said, I'm going to give this money from special missions. It's crazy. You know, everybody's sharing about stuff that they have. We're doing this right here, doing this right here. Look at the list of things that you have. What do you have that you could give for God to be working in the mission field? And so guess what I said? I'm going to give what I have for mission work. And God will provide for the ring. You're not going to believe this. A woman stood up in the meeting. A married woman. She'd been married, I don't know, 20 years. I'll never forget her. She stood up, took her engagement ring off, and gave it to me. And he, she said, use this. I mean, we just started crying, man. It was just, wow. And it was all because of this right here, making a list. And so that engagement ring I gave to Laura, and she got married. And then when we went out on the mission field, guess what she did with that engagement ring? Boom. She gave it to somebody else. It's crazy. And this was the kind of crazy stuff we did as a young minister. And God did incredible things. And then it was time for us to go as missionaries to Brazil. And we had our suitcases. We were scared to death. We didn't speak Portuguese very well at all. And we took off and we went. Do you know why we went and how we went? Because people gave. 
People, people poured it out and they gave stuff. They sold stuff, they gave stuff. See, because they looked at what do they have and what can God do with what you have. Now, here's a crazy story. For years, she went without a ring. Okay, and you know, sisters, you guys know that it's an important thing to have a ring, right? So her sister comes along. She got divorced. She's not a part of our church. And, you know, she went the hard way and she got divorced. And so a few years went by and she said, Laura, I'm going to give you my engagement ring. But you cannot, <laughs> cannot sell it or I won't give it. So she took it. She still has it. You can't sell it. Yet. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, you know, sister will be around. I don't know. But as long as her sister's alive, can't sell the ring. <laughs> but what I'm trying to show you guys is maybe, and I'm not asking for you, this, this, you to do this, okay? I'm just telling you a story telling you a story. You have things that you can do. And some of you students, you're saying, I don't have anything. What did he ask the woman to do with the oil once she had jars and jars and jars? What did she have to go do? Sell it. She had to go out there and sell it. That took some, that took some skills, right? I mean, he didn't just give her the money. And some of us want God to fix our problem by just giving it to us, and we don't realize, hey, this problem can only be solved how? By bringing everybody together. Let's figure out a solution, and let's do this together. The neighbors are going to give the jars. The neighbors are going to buy the oil in the jars. Then they get their jars back. She's going to get the money. And then, as it says right here, you know, she is going to do what? She went and told the man of God and said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. What did she do first? Pay your debts. Biblical principle right here. Don't get in debt, and when you have a debt, pay your debt. Don't wait. Pay your debts. And she did that. And then you and your sons can live on the rest. How do you think the neighbors felt about the widow and the whole story? Wow. Man, what an incredible story. And they got to participate. I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, when they're having that oil and they're using it to light their lamps, and they said, that's the widow's oil. And maybe they were using it to meet it in their dough as they were making bread, and they said, that's the widow's oil. And we used this, and we bought this, and we helped her out, and she can keep her children, and she can keep her house, and we got to be a part of that and look at what God did. Everybody was fired up. And see, that's what God wants to do sometimes when we come together. But some of us, you know, here's how we look at it. We take our vessels and you say, okay, God, this is my stuff. I'm going to give you these three vessels right here and that's it. Or maybe just this little baby one. I'm going to give you this one right here. It's for you. Oh, this is for me though. I don't need you in this. I just, right here, I'm going to give this. What's God going to do with that compared to with this? You give him everything, he can do a lot more. And some of you, you know, your list is short, and you look at it, you go, man, I don't, I don't have a lot. But even if you got this, what can God do with this? More than you realize.
Now, let me ask you this question. What if the widow didn't ask it? What if she wouldn't have asked God for help? What if she wouldn't have asked or didn't ask Elijah for help? How would the story be different? Okay, let's, let's just go ahead and play it out. She lost her kids, right? She lost her home. And I don't know if you caught it in the video, but what was, what was there right there in the video as she was mortified, as she looked at those people begging? That was real for her. Those beggars that she saw, that was her looking at a possible future that she could be on the street, homeless, asking instead of her vessel being filled, she's going to be begging every day, can you give me a little money because I'm a poor widow and I lost my kids, I lost everything. But because she asked it, God was able to work. Now, let me just share this because I feel like this in the church sometimes and I'm going to speak to our members if you're a guest, I want you to know we're not, we're not a perfect church, and we don't have it all together. we got people in the church that have problems. But when you have problems, what do you do? Now, we've got some incredible people in the church that they go and they ask, and they get great counsel, and they get great advice, and they put it into practice, and they go to God every day, and they're saying, God, will you fill my vessel? And God fills it, and God's changed their marriage. You heard it this morning with Jim. And there's a whole long list of people whose marriages, families have been transformed because they asked God, they asked for counsel, and they, they got it, and they put it into practice. But there's other people. They don't ask it, and when they do ask it, they don't practice it. And if they do practice it, they would only practice it for a little while. It doesn't become a fixed value. Praying with your wife every day asking God to help and bless and fill your marriage. If you don't do it, how can God bless it? It's a real simple principle. You know, for all of us, I mean, Jesus set a great example for us to start our day asking God to refill us. And yet I don't get it why some of you, you know, you'll jump on Facebook, you'll jump on Twitter, you'll jump on, you know, Instagram, and you'll jump on all these, these social media sites before you do anything. And then you look at your watch, oh, I got to go. And off you go. And guess what? Your jar is empty. How do you expect things to go well for you? And not just for a day, I'm talking about weeks, months. And, and, and God's Word, God's Word fills us up. I mean, I got so much out of this study, and it's only seven verses. Stop and think about it. We only looked at seven verses this morning. And there's a whole lot more there, but we just don't have time to unpack it all. Look at this passage for Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, God has given us everything. But you say, how come I'm not feeling it? If he's blessed me so much, how come my life just seems like it's so upside down? Here it is. There's nothing in it. And you're not asking God with great humility, will you fill it up? And it's a process. It's a daily process that you and I have to be a part of. 
But this is a reality. And I, I want to encourage all of us who are here today, God has blessed us and you need to go two and a half hours south of here and you need to spend some time in Tijuana. I go on a regular basis now because I need it. I need to sit in those squatters' house and I need to say, what can I do to help? And see the dirty cement floors and some of them dirt floors and see, man, this is two and a half hours from my house. And look at how these people, not just a couple of people, I'm talking a million people are living in these conditions. And then you're going to go, man, God has blessed us, has he not? You need that wake-up call. And, 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 and just to understand this, God wants to achieve maximum impact. And that's why we need to come together. And so this, this week, I want to encourage you with your, your, your small group that, that you will do this, that you will make plans, that you will make plans with each other, teen ministry. What, what can you do to help Mexico and Central America? What plans can you come up with to raise money? Are you going to be like that widow when the first thing out of her mouth is, we, we don't have anything? I mean, it's amazing to me when teens want to raise money for their camps. Man, they can raise some money. But I want you to understand, raising money, that helps your parents, but that's an extension of you. Guess who's the main beneficiary of you raising money for camp or for your campus conference or whatever? Guess who's the main beneficiary? You. How about a fundraiser? How about raising some money for something that has no strings attached? It's just completely for somebody else. How about if we bless the campus ministry in Mexico City? One campus ministry in the land of more than enough, we're going to bless the campus ministry with not enough. But it can only happen when people come together and say, hey, let's do this. Let's make a plan. What can we do? What will be a creative way to raise some money? And we got all summer to do it. We're taking up our collection on May 1st, but we got all summer to continue to blow this thing away. So let's finish up as we talk about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold, on, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet, he did not sin. Think about this. Jesus understands our challenges. You know, a lot of commentaries uh, say that Joseph, the father, stepfather of Jesus, didn't live very long. In fact, you don't, when you read the Gospels, you don't read about Joseph. He's not there. He may have died at an early age. So Jesus very well may have spent a good number of years with his mom as a single mom. Do you think he's able to empathize with us? And he was raised in the city of Nazareth. And that was a provincial, you know, way out there, small town, people that work in Jerusalem, they travel, but it was out there. It was a, you know, maybe a farm town. Not very well off. Amazing that God chose Nazareth for the place to, for Jesus to grow up. 
and also for Jesus to grow up with a father whose life ended early. Think he's able to empathize with our challenges? Absolutely. Jesus went through a tremendous amount. But here's the difference. Jesus every day got up and said, God, will you fill? He had to go through the motion of saying, God, fill. I need you. And even when Jesus went through hard times, when they killed his cousin, John the Baptist, he went off and recluded to an isolated place because he needed time to pray. He was hurting because he knew his imminent death was coming. Jesus understands what it's like to go through a really, really hard time. So today when we take the communion, I really, really want to encourage you to, 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 to chew on the question, what do you have that you can offer Jesus? What's your vessels that you have that you can offer Jesus? Let's pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your son Jesus. We ask you, God, today that you will please fill our vessel and our vessels. Forgive us, God, for not recognizing what we have. And and we just pray that today you will help us to imitate the faith of the widow with oil. God, and we ask you to bless our families, our marriages, our lives, so we can Meet the needs of people around us. I pray for the people who are hurting here this morning, God, that you'll please help them, be with them, bless them. Father, I pray that you can show them that you're ready and willing and able to meet all their needs. Father, we lift up Jesus right now as we take the communion. We remember his body and his blood that were poured out for us. Bless this communion and give us a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen.